Hello and welcome back to Recap Madness Podcast. I'm your host, Chara, and today we'll be diving into Motherland Fort Salem. I'm here with my co-hosts, Mel and Crystal, and uh, we'll be continuing our deep dive. On this episode, we're doing episodes three and four of season one. So these are some of my favorite episodes of the season, so I'm excited about this one. Same. Yeah, these were good. Yeah. Nice, light, kind of, well, there's some tragedy, but they're also fun episodes. So we'll go ahead and uh, dive right into these. Um, Let's start with episode three, which is titled A Biddy's Life, or as we like to call them, Old Lady Gang. (laughs) (laughs) So we open on the Biddies waking up and preparing for their morning. And, like, the thing that stood out for me about that scene is just how little they provide them with. It was literally just, like, a room with some twin beds and, like, half walls, and that's it. Yeah. And and they they all seem so happy to do it, right? They're also also pleased and close, and there's, like, a, you know, there's a, a closeness there, but there's also this, like, Obviously, it's military, so it's very regimented, too. It's like a cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very cult, cult vibes. They have them in this barracks with these, like, bad beds, and there are these old women they should be taking care of. And what are they doing? <laughs> Their life is completely about Alder. Yeah. yeah I like just... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I like that um, the way the photograph was, um, you know, main biddy, I guess, or <laughs> the biddy that this is about, um, is, uh, you know, because you see the picture of her, she, it looks old school. So you, you're like, you know, it looks kind of like vintage a little bit. And then you don't, you don't realize what the deal is. So I like that. That was a nice choice. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't give anything away that early. Yeah. They don't even have names. <laughs> They're just the biddies. <laughs> I know, yeah. True. You could just lose your individuality. Yeah, They're just waking up in the morning like, this is the best day ever. I'm like, that's not creepy at all. <laughs> I'm like, you don't even get to participate in Beltane. So what is it? Why is the best day ever for you? Oliver's out here getting her rocks off. What are you doing? <laughs> just stand and watch. <laughs> I mean, I know really like literally jumping to the like end of the second thing we're talking about. I thought they were standing around her, but go ahead. Okay, let's let's just go back. All right, jump too far ahead. That's that's what you see. That's what you get for not taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) One long episode. Mel's just winging it. It's okay. But Alder just walks in. She doesn't say anything, just kind of nods at them, and they just all fall in line. Literally. That's their life. Yes. But 
forth. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like I know everybody thinks it's a prestigious thing to do. Like they've made a great sacrifice, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think I wouldn't want to be a biddy. Yeah. When we get a little bit more into the episode, I definitely have some thoughts on that. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, our uh, cadets are lined up in front of the building waiting. We don't quite know what they're waiting for until a bus pulls up. And then a bunch of boys fall out of the bus and the girls are very excited, especially Tally. (laughs) Tally is so thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) From the very beginning. (laughs) Tally's like, I can't go to matrifocal. I don't know what boys are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the witch father rolls up with a couple of buses full of boys, and Tally is just no good for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I love that witch father is played by Nick Terabay. I really like him a lot um, as an actor, and yes. it's just nice to kind of see him in. I've never seen him in like a straight up just a sexy guy role, so it's really nice to see him <laughs> doing that. Yeah, he was very memorable in The Expanse too. Yeah, yeah, loved him in that. But if you were wondering where the men are in the series, apparently they're with Witchfather, wherever he takes them. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah. I like to imagine they're, like, at the base, like, across the street or something. <laughs> yeah, up the road. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like they're probably close by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I like that um, it's very, I mean... You know, you could call it cheap or not, but like I like the complete reversal of gender roles. Like, you know, the girls, the the boys come down like they, when they're getting off the bus, they're kind of demure and they're just kind of quietly walking by as the girls hoot and holler. And it's really about the girls like assessing them. And you know, I guess it's you know just lit- it's literal reversal, and I'm like into it. It's nice. Like, girl, <laughs> girls will be girls, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Like, Rael is completely uninterested in this oh whole gosh. thing. <laughs> Rael's like, men? Ugh. <laughs> if they must. <laughs> Rael's just like, I guess. <laughs> then our girls go resume their training, and they are learning how to use their scries. And I like that that's our kind of first hint into Tally's power. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because she's the only one excelling at it when they're in training. That was really cool. Yeah. And it was a way to kind of show um, how technology is kind of integrated into their work or their powers, if you want to call it that. Like, like they create technology to help them better focus their, um, you know, their their work. Right, right. And just going back to the last two episodes I'm guessing that's how like the screen that Alder was using to see that spree attack Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that kind of works the same way like it's really a a large scry yeah yeah which is dope yeah yeah I like that use of technology and like natural technology like it's coming from nature yeah right right and our girl Abigail is back at it again with Libba. <laughs> <laughs> it really does seem like something is there. <laughs> <Between> yeah. <laughs> what is going on with you two? 
<laughs> what happened in high school or wherever? I do I'm enjoy like, their sniping. This could almost be an enemies to lover situation. It could be. <laughs> Definitely. I'm sure there's AO3 uh, treasure trove <laughs> that, that exists. It is disappointing. <laughs> there's yeah, like maybe right. two or three stories. Ah. Yeah. The Motherland fandom on AO3 is just largely Rael and Scylla. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, as I said, as it was coming out of my mouth, I realized, girl, you you thinking a little <laughs> bit too, too uh, galaxy-brained right now. <laughs> I wish it was, because I'm kind of into that. I would be into the, the Abigail Libba backstory. Absolutely. But meanwhile, while our, while our unit is in training, there's another spree attack. And this time it's at a community pool where they freeze some people in the water while they're still in it. So that was interesting because it was a little different from what we've seen the spree do previously. So like they're getting a lot more creative in their attacks. It really freaked me out. Yeah. Seeing the people like banging on the ice trying to get out that they couldn't. So they drowned there. Mm-mm. Yeah, that Didn't is like... terrifying. Yeah, all their attacks are viscerally so, you know, they, they just kind of get you and they just are so frightening. You know, it, it, it's truly terror. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not just we're going to shoot something or blow something up. It's like, we're going to make your worst nightmare come to, come to pass and kill you. It's kind of scary. Right, where you least expect it. Like, yeah. what can we do in the place you would expect it the least? And this this uh, gathering is almost um, it's almost intimate next to like that real big public display. It's like you know your local uh, pool with like you know the the seniors are doing their water aerobics and the kids are playing around. It's like you know it's a small group, but it's and it, I get the impression that it it was not just that one place, but it was like a coordinated attack over several places but mm-hmm. um it probably just feels so intimate when it when you first hear about it because it happens at a, like a local pool situation right it shows right. they can truly get you anywhere yes exactly yeah. and with any object because at this point they've yeah. used a balloon they've used a pool float they've mm-hmm. you know pretty much wow. anything that can hold sound they can use yeah. to attack you yep that is, like, yeah, that's a horror movie. <laughs> that's the scary <laughs> thing. That's the scream. <laughs> and while our girls are in training, they find out about that spree attack. And, um, you know, Anacostia tells them to stay focused. Like, one of them is crying. You're a soldier. You can't cry about it every time something happens. Your job is to fight them. So that kind of, like, that... I liked that scene just because it's it still gives us a glimpse into a how young they are and also how undertrained they are still at this point. And how like unprepared they are for this cuz like they didn't choose to be in the army most of them probably didn't choose to be here. They said the words cuz they have to say the words. And now you're stuck here you're going to have to fight the spree and then how are you dealing with that? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because she's probably, the young lady is probably crying for lots of reasons. One, she's crying at the loss of life. She's crying, wow, I have to deal, like, I have to deal with that? Like, 
a little, a few, couple of months ago, I was just going to my prom, like, and now I got to deal with this. Like, I'm supposed to fix this. Like, it's a lot. Like, I can't even scry. Right, I'd probably cry too. Like, they're doing this, and I can't even use this cry to see behind me. I like, can't this. find the flag, and they're literally freezing people in pools. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the talent here is not matching. <laughs> no. Like, I give up. I don't want it. <laughs> no mas. <laughs> Just send me home. So we move on, and our ladies have to go to a lacrosse game to watch the boys play, and they decide to join in. And it's um, the first time we find out. Abigail what, decides to join in. Well, yes. <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> Abigail is a new person in this episode. <laughs> Abigail's like, shame? Who needs it? <laughs> the bellwether confidence is on 11 in this episode. Absolutely. But we do get to find out a little about what Beltane is all about. And apparently it's just enjoyment. Like, for them to do whatever they want and these boys are here to serve. Yeah. And you get them, you you know right off the bat that it's like they're the things that they're doing, even though it's enjoyable, they are getting like a power boost. I mean, this is also hinted at in the, I guess, first episode when they talk about the marks and how sex charges your marks up and stuff like that. So we're gonna we're about to see the, you know, it's kind of it kind of builds to let you know that it's a little bit more than just that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Beltane is all about building up that power. Yeah, I appreciate how sex positive they are. Yes. Yeah. They are extremely sex positive. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's a big change from most shows in this age group. Yeah. But I think at the same it's... time, they're like, if this isn't your thing, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all very supportive of whatever you want to do. Celebrate how you want to celebrate. Yeah, I like that it's, it's, um, it is sex positive, but it also is very like, this is spirit, it's like a spiritual thing, like you can tell it's like, this is part of their ritual, this is part of their, this is part of their theology, right? So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting to look at it from that perspective. So something important happens during this lacrosse game. Uh, there is one boy that kind of targets Raelle and knocks her down and tells her she's bad at picking girlfriends. So, yeah, we we, we know something's going on with Scylla. We always knew that, but I should hope at this point, Raelle does too. Well, at first I was like, is she being gay bashed? I'm here for you ladies and you ladies should be here for me too. <laughs> Thankfully that was not the case. <laughs> that wasn't the case, but at first that's what I was worried about. It was just Scylla bashing, not gay bashing. Just <laughs> <laughs> some good natured Scylla bashing. <laughs> Which he's not wrong. She is terrible at picking girlfriends. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So far, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> like she's just not seeing what everyone else is seeing. Yeah. I think the only person who's seen it so far is Anacostia, because everybody else is on suicide. Except That's Ab- true. Because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Abigail's a little skeptical. <laughs> Abigail's skeptical of everybody. Yeah. Which is not bad in this case, because she was right. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's making a, you know, she's making an effort. It's like, oh, yeah. your girlfriend and stuff like that. So she's she's trying to, you know, be keep the peace. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't let your girlfriend get in our way. That's what Abigail is about. Mm-hmm. But she's trying at every turn to get in their way. <laughs> like her entire purpose in life is getting real in trouble. Yes. <laughs> she still hasn't really stopped doing that. <laughs> no, she just has once again shown up where she probably shouldn't be because she's not part of this group. <laughs> so why is she there? <laughs> She's there to see her girlfriend. Like, you're not invited to the Beltane festivities. Like, why are you here? And then she has to run off immediately because, like you said, she probably kind of dished out, although she was talking to some folks prior to seeing Raelle. So, you know, maybe she came over with a small group to, you know, as opposed to her lone traveling all over the campus, however she likes. <laughs> yeah. And while the girls are doing their bell doing their Beltane thing, Alder and the Biddies are visiting the Hague, mm-hmm. which that's interesting because I was wondering if they, you know, if she had to travel, did they go with her there too? So apparently, yes, they follow her literally everywhere. Yeah, and I I thought that this was an interesting. It's such a it's such a different. Um, story being told it's it's pretty much talking about the larger kind of plot of the show it's kind of removed from what the um what the girls are going through the girls are kind of had a festival and festivities and she's kind of like business has to you know continue so we're seeing her kind of day-to-day life and her day-to-day life looks like flying off to the hague when some stuff pops off so i thought that was interesting it was a good way to kind of Again, good story weaving. Like we're getting so much story in an in an economy, you know, mm-hmm. economy right. space. Yeah, and we yeah. get to see a little bit of the witches from around the world. Yeah, right. And they don't yeah. really like America because you know, North of that. True to real life in that case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, most of them seem kind of neutral, but like India, General Sharma was like. I hate your guts, Alder. Yeah. She was like, F you, yeah. F your plans, F your witches. <laughs> yeah, Sharma and uh, Alder have a little Abigail Libba thing happening. Like, what, oh, what's going on with you two? <laughs> and Russia's like, Russia's like, I kind of want to be America's friend, but like, you got to, you know, you got to play ball. <laughs> like, you got to, you know, be open, you know, and be, be honest with us. Yeah. Why China isn't there? Can That's I interesting. That? Mm. Not That's... that I call. Yeah, I didn't catch that. That's a good question, though. Mm. I wonder if it was a situation where they just couldn't make it to that meeting at that sh- such short of notice, or they're not normally at those meetings for whatever reason. Well, when they played the new seed and they talked about Russia and China being at war, it kind of seemed like China wasn't there to 
just in general, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just weren't invited to this one. Ooh, shouldn't play favorites with the witches. It's probably not the best idea, but <laughs> you know how that goes in real life, so. <laughs> oh. We get back to Fort Salem and our Beltane celebration. And we find out that the guy that confronted Rail is named Porter. And clearly he knows a lot about Scylla. Like when they're talking, she just looks absolutely terrified that he's there. Oh, but right before we go to Porter, I did want to mention that while she's at the Hague, um, uh, the biddy, the main biddy (laughs) that we don't know her name, um, gets sick at the Hague, which is why they have to, like, I guess, come back to America real quick. So um, I thought that, that was interesting. Like, we get to see her um, uh, alder, and the biddies are, like, linked. And the minute one gets sick, she loses however much, you know, life force that one biddy was given to her. So that was kind of shocking. So she right. ages. Yeah. yeah. And that has an in turn an effect on Fort Salem. Oh yep, yep, yep. They're all connected. That was so. That was like wow. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't expecting that. The, I really wasn't expecting to see the apples rot either. Yeah, like the apples and start rotting, leaves start falling out the trees, and like they immediately know like there's something going on with Alder. Yep. So that was a. That was a nice bit of information to find out. So somehow, like, her power is linked to the grounds of Fort Salem. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she's still in charge. Everything links back to her. Yeah. She yeah. set herself, she definitely set herself up as, you know, irreplaceable in <laughs> lots of ways. Right. I wonder if they were to pick a different leader, would that power kind of transfer to someone else? Yeah, that's interesting to think about. Would she allow it? Probably not. <laughs> if you take the biddies away from her, though, she doesn't have that much power left. I think if you take the biddies away, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that, I, you know, for the story to be called A Biddy's Life, it was interesting how little, like, they gave us the bare bones, but the emotional center of this story is not the biddy that you know you know the, the main biddy it's not like it's a, it's almost a story in the background it's like you know which i guess makes sense because they're they live their whole lives in the background of someone else's life but mm-hmm. i thought that was an interesting choice yeah and that's the way i looked at it too because i thought about that with the title being what it is like how their story was so much in the background of what's going on but then i was like oh well that's pretty much how they live. Like, they don't really have a life outside of Alder. Their whole job is to literally just follow her around. Yeah. Which is really sad. Yeah. Because she had something. She had, a, she had a life before she was a biddy, and we'll never know about it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's go back to Porter now. Um, so... He's talking to Scylla, and she she looks shook that he's there. Like, she was not expecting to see him again ever in life. No, yeah. 
it's like another monkey wrench being thrown in her plans and one she absolutely could not have anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, he must know a lot. And I would like to know what those things are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I need him to share the wealth and let us all know what her problem is. <laughs> What's her deal? <laughs> well, we know what her deal is. We need him to share what her deal is with Rail. Right. True. And preferably someone else in charge. <laughs> yeah. Although I would like the backstory, like how she got hooked up with the spree. Yeah. Yeah, like you get the impression that he knows something, but he don't, he may not know everything, because I feel like if he knew everything or even close to everything, he it would it, he wouldn't have he would have like ran to somebody, you know whether it be witch father or, you know, Alder or somebody else. Right. And I know he said he was her boyfriend and then she just up and disappeared. So I feel like whatever happened to cause her to hook up with the spree must have happened after she left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the story I want. Yeah. And he, and he would have probably have seen like all the, the roots of what would make her spree. Like, I know how you really are, <laughs> you know. You are not military material. So we do find out a little bit more about her later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, uh, the rest of our girls are at a picnic. And there's a guy named Clive that approaches Abigail because, you know, Abigail's Abigail. And... <laughs> Of course, she tells him, like, who's your friend? Which, rude, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm he's trying to talk to you, and you're exactly. asking about this dude because he's talking to Libba. <laughs> I like that her insults for Libba are still creative, and she tells him to go rescue his friend from that sea hag. <laughs> <laughs> god (laughs) it's just too good (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i just want a whole show of a whole episode of them fighting because it's hilarious (laughs) you know abigail has two guys right like the friend just comes along like okay (laughs) like (laughs) you too (laughs) chop chop (laughs) she's she's smooth with it Really, like she hit on the witch father. <laughs> I know, I was like you know, I, I, personally, I was like, I'm not gonna blame you, girl. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, <laughs> you're you're a bold one, aren't you? <laughs> What'd she say? Seamus for civilians, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> excuse me, Miss Straight and Narrow Military, ma'am. Who are you right now? <laughs> this is part of the military. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after that first scene we saw her, she was like, she just shooed off her little boyfriend or whatever he was. Or he's like, yeah, you, I'm done with you now. I'm about to move on. <laughs> and you can go, you know, to college. <laughs> You're dismissed. <laughs> Great. So while Abigail runs off with her two puppies she just acquired, um, <laughs> Porter comes over to apologize to Rael and they discuss Scylla and then I think that's the first time she really notices how little she knows about Scylla. Yeah. 
and how right. much of a problem that is. Right. Like Porter's just like, you really don't, she didn't tell you anything. Mm-mm. And you should have been suspicious about that before now, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. <It's> like... <laughs> Love is blind. <laughs> when you're real, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's a little too blonde. My, my yeah. <laughs> there are just some glaringly obvious things that she is just completely ignoring. And while she's doing that, uh, Tally and Garrett officially have their little meet cute for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It was like, um, <laughs> she was like, um, I'm a big old lesbian. He's like, yeah, and I'm gay. So your point? <laughs> See, we always find our people. Yep. <laughs> yep. So either, even in this gathering of hormones, yes, I will <laughs> sniff out the queer. Give me time. <laughs> I feel like that would be a lot harder in this environment, though. Because <laughs> there's a lot of queer people. Yeah, it looks like there's no shortage. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, you know, you need what he was looking for was queer and kind of like not mingling. So so he could have like right. a little part in crime. <laughs> oh, I like the scene um like before before the real dance and everything, when they're all going through the the I guess it's the Witch History Museum. I don't even know what they call it because nobody mentioned the name of it. Oh, yeah, they're, they're just always there, but yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. We kind of find out a little more about people's families, and like when Tally puts hers up, her family a tree is kind of robust. It's not, you know, doesn't look like a bellwether tree, but, you know, there are some people on it, but then Rael's is just like one line. Yeah. And that there's the Military History Magazine, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Callie would be the one to read the the military history magazine. <laughs> Rayel was so disgusted. <laughs> right. Right. Like, oh. You read that? How could you? Exactly. Her mother, and it's so funny because Tally probably had to sneak them because you know her mother wasn't playing that. <laughs> right. Like I don't think they had a subscription coming to the house. <laughs> and in that history museum we get another epic abigail libba fight oh yeah this time with the powerpoint with like a magical powerpoint <laughs> right <laughs> it was a magical powerpoint <laughs> like the Even slides in the said like these fights are interesting right like the slides and the bellwethers are the hatfields and mccoys of witches apparently <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's just an ongoing, like, two-century-long feud. And I like that Tally, um, Tally's, like, a boy, I, what's the guy's name that's hanging out with Tally? Um, Garrett. Garrett, there we go. Um, so I like that Garrett was, like, um, you know, well, no, Tally makes note that, like, hey, hey if they, can't they see that they needed both women to kind of, like, win the day? And it's just, like, um, no, like they, they can't see it. Like they've been poisoned by this like vi- rivalry that's been going on in their family all this time. 
right they're conditioned to think that each one of them is better than the other and there's no working together yeah i still think this is a a friends to lovers like or enemies to lovers thing (laughs) (laughs) just the way they were looking at each other at the end like (laughs) this isn't just a, a rivalry maybe give it another episode right like maybe by the end of the season then while they're in there um Scylla finally gives in and like tells Rael something about herself but it's bare minimum of course (laughs) and Rael doesn't really ask any questions (sighs) this girl yeah she's just like okay whatever you tell me I accept it like that's no question yeah. whatsoever. No elaboration on that. Just, okay. Yeah. And it's like, it's 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 starting to, at this point, it started to get a little bit frustrating for me um, to watch. And it just gets worse and worse as the story goes on um, in terms of my frustration with Rael and her in, you know, her not pushing as much as I needed her to push. Right. Yep, because the follow-up to that scene was Porter going to Scylla's room and confronting her. And, you know, he, like, it's clear that he really knows Scylla from before she left. Like, of course, he can't know what happened after she left, but, like, he suspects. Yeah, he, he suspects something. And, like, clearly whatever she was doing when they were together he feels like it was leading to her joining an organization like the Spree. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even a question in his mind. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, there's no way her be like your being here is legit. Like you're up yep. to something. Yep, exactly. And there's no, yeah, he's not one. He's, he's no Rael. He's not, he's not <laughs> one to just like, oh, I guess, you know, maybe he's like, nah, nope. I don't buy it. I ain't buying it. Exactly. But unfortunately, he did let her play him. And then she gave him that suggestion to kill himself. Ugh. Just everything. Everything the spree and she does is so insidious at this point. Like, everything. Like, you can just whisper to someone to suggest that they're filled with unbearable sadness. And that's it. Yeah. It reminded me of a much more creepy and scary, scary movie version of um, Doctor Who when he um, whispered that um, the uh, prime minister looked tired <laughs> and like completely and took down her career and just took her, just took her career down, down. And I was like, wow. OK. <laughs> the power of words. Yeah, that's that's that too much power. Horrifying. <laughs> She talked him into suicide. Yeah. Yeah. I that can't with Hilla. Cool. I really can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like and it's I, bad. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say it's bad enough she did the same thing to 1,600 people in a mall that she didn't know. But this is a person yeah. that you at some point had an emotional attachment to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can, if you can do word 
work or reward magic, whatever you want to call it. If you can do that to get him to do something as extreme as as kill himself, I feel like you could be able to like put a suggestion in his mind to just get off your back, like just drop his suspicions of you. I I don't know. It just seemed like there's a better way or more uh, human way of handling that situation. Right. Even if you have to control his mind somewhat, like maybe make him forget. I don't know. It just seems like, you know, and she, again, she doesn't seem to have a whole lot of remorse and she is kind of gleeful when she does these things. And it's just really hard to like, especially since you know everything she's on a mission. So everything she's doing is a manipulation. So even when she's like being cute with, um, with Rael, it's like, I can't even really enjoy it. Cause I know, all the other layers. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like, if you have that power of suggestion to make him jump off a building, there are like three steps you skip between there. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> you could have done something far less harsh. Yeah. To get him off your back. But killing is a spree way. Yeah. And it was the easiest yeah. way to deal yeah. with him. That's and mo- true. Yeah, most resolute. Like, I'm guaranteed that you're not going to be a problem anymore. <laughs> Except that almost backfired on her because she didn't know that he was going to jump and land right in front of Rael, who is the fixer. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like if Rael's power had been a little more developed at that point, she might have been able to save him. Yeah. And he may he might not have, like ever been able to like move his body for real but like in terms of just being alive yeah right because she almost seemed like she it almost seemed like she he had him on the on the hook but it just was too far gone he was just too far gone and that's and when she when uh when Scylla shows up right before Rael passes out that's when I really started like if she don't put two and two together I'm gonna scream (laughs) (laughs) right like the last thing you see is Scylla standing there like looking kind of guilty yes and she's not even running towards you like oh my gosh what just just happened she looks like she knows what happened and she's just kind of looking at you to like oh gosh (laughs) she's like like, yeah she's like but do you know what happened (laughs) exactly Exactly. right it was more of an it was definitely more of an oh shit! I was coming to check and make sure he was dead. I wasn't expecting anyone to be here. Like, <laughs> oh goodness gracious! But that is a good stopping point for us because that's the end of episode three. Um, so we're gonna take a quick break for a short message from our sponsor, and we will be right back to dive into episode four. All right, we are back from our break and we're ready to dive into episode four, which is probably my favorite of the whole season, Hail Beltane. Yeah. Um, One of mine, too. Definitely up there. Yeah. So we pick up where we left off. Rael had just tried to save Porter's life, but wasn't able to do it. She passes out. And wakes up in the infirmary with Anacostia looking at her. Which could be a problem for her, but for the first time, it's not. And she tells her she's proud of her. Yeah, I love that moment. And small moments like that with Anacostia 
um, particularly with Brielle, but the whole Bellwether unit, she's like encouraging them and giving them like positive feedback and like um, praise because, you know, <laughs> it was a really rocky start. So I just like that. Mm -hmm. So, and Rael is so like vulnerable in that moment too. You know, when it comes to Anacostia, she really means it. Because it's so few and far between. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she doesn't right. waste words. Like, she's so hard on them most of the time that, like, you know, if she gives you praise, like, you really did something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But Rael's a little upset because she's seeing, like, these... She's seeing these flashes of Porter's memory and she's saying that like she's feeling his feelings, but she can't put it all together at this point. Yeah. So it's up to something. She finally suspects her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Just a little. She felt she said she felt like um Porter was afraid and he didn't want to die. Yeah. And I feel like that was like, that was such a key moment for her to like really push through. So we've had this, this tragedy on campus and back at Alder's office, Petra Bellwether is there and she feels like this may be somehow related to the spree and she wants to cancel the Beltane ceremony. Which is super reasonable because it's literally exactly what happened in the in the um, mall, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. You know, someone, someone jumping off. You know, someone jumping off of something is. I feel like more people should have been at high alert, especially Rael, but more. You know, even Alder, who I know it's her job to kind of stay calm and like act like she's in charge, like you know she's on top of everything. But I don't know. And just it was very suspicious. Yeah, it just did. The timing of it. Yeah. yeah. I would have been with Petra on that because just that Alder and Anacostia just seemed like they didn't think it was a big deal. How do we know it's spree related? But like it's literally someone jumping to their death, which just happened. Yeah. I think it's a reasonable conclusion to come to, but I guess that's why Petra is head of intelligence. Like that's her job to know these kinds of things and like make these kinds of decisions. So, especially like somebody who had who didn't have a history of being depressed. Yeah, yeah. So this came out of nowhere. Like the person in charge of intelligence, it's supposed to be suspicious. Mm -hmm. That's like her job. Exactly. Right. Which I guess that's why Alder's like, you can't immediately move on everything that she says because it is her job to be suspicious. You got to take it all in, in and like make the best decision. But I just felt like Alder was a little bit like, oh, it's not, you know, not that it's not a big deal, but she could have, I don't know, I feel like she could have been more supportive in of the idea in the moment and be like, with some like clandestine secret thing we could be doing. <laughs> to you know <laughs> to suss out any any problems right well she did at least agree to like do the mirror test oh while yeah a, yeah while everyone's celebrating Anacostia and Petra can go around and check all the mirrors to see if they find any like residue of spree communication yeah 
If only, you know, they would have waited a full, like, five minutes by each mirror. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and then while her mother's in the office, like, talking to Alder, we get that great moment with Abigail, who's going along, her and Tally are walking along, and they hear this group of witches talking about Rael and how she went off canon and Abigail like immediately checks them. Oh yeah. That was a, a hooray moment. Mm-hmm. I love They've come so far. Abigail's like only I can talk crap about Rael. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's like I can't but you can. I earned that right. <laughs> like, how no dare you. <laughs> And then, of course, Scylla has found Rael again. <laughs> like, it's her, her Rael radar is working just fine. And once again, she plays her. And Rael, even though you're, you're having these flashes of Porter's memory, and you kind of suspect something, you still don't put it together. Yeah. yeah. It's like she's willfully, she's being like willfully obtuse at this point, and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. I feel like at this point, you just don't want to know, or you don't yeah. want to acknowledge it. Exactly that. So while Scylla and Rael are out talking, and Rael's getting played again for the thousandth, thousandth time in three episodes, like, there's some more fun stuff going on with Tally. Back at the room, Tally and Abigail are in their room, and Tally gets a message from Garrett brought in by a bird. (laughs) (laughs) An interesting message. How are you going to have a bird deliver your dick pic? What? (laughs) We talked about the level of technology, but is that where we're at? Not only is it delivered by a bird, it's hand-drawn. Exactly. <laughs> so cell phones, cell phones are no, the dick pic is eternal. Like, it doesn't matter. It's just... <laughs> right. But <laughs> if that means necessary, they are going to get those dick pics to you. <laughs> the old dick pic. <laughs> the old And Abigail just goes straight future on it. Like, ain't no way. (laughs) No way. (laughs) But Tally has a crush and it's cute. It is kind of adorable. And Garrett seems like a good guy. He seems decent. They seem like a good match. Yeah, they're both cute as puppies. That's adorable. Meanwhile, they have uh, given Porter's body to the Necros, and Isadora has the idea to try to, like, I don't even know what they call it, resurrection, or just, like, waking him up to try to find out what happened and why he died. And it's, I think it's a, it's either mentioned or at least um, implied that Beltane, you know, that kind of energy is really what's going to make it, you know, happen. So I thought that was interesting, too. Right. Yeah, they talked about how there's this small window to do this kind of work, and this is the only time you can do it. Yeah, she... It seems like um, 
in terms of her mission, she can't win for losing. She keep uh, running into these real inconvenient things that pop up. Right. That kind of throws a little monkey wrench into all of Scylla's plans because mm-hmm. if they can wake this boy up, he can tell what happened. And while that's going on, Petra goes to talk to Abigail and runs into Rail and uh, Tally outside of their room which Tally is, of course, Tally. So she's, like, super impressed and, like, standing at attention. And Rael's like, whatever. What are you doing here? Rael's like, excuse me, <laughs> you know my mama? <laughs> <laughs> she meat mugging. Yeah, you, you heard her name was Willa Collar. Right, know that like, name. <laughs> you just jumped all up in a general's face. Like. <laughs> Rael's like a chihuahua. <laughs> like loud all the time, to- loud and in your face. Right. She sees the bigger dog, and she's like, "No, I size. I don't care about size. No, nope, nope. <laughs> I'll take on anyone. <laughs> I she got does, this." She does not care, but Petra is unfazed as she should be because, like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, "What's her problem?" <laughs> and I, I, in that scene when you know when uh, when um, Abigail shows up and it's kind of like you see that pressure again right all yeah. we've kind of seen is th- there's just pressure like there's love there too but it's just you know pressure to perform and be a leader and you know do the name proud right like that meeting was very much like your rankings aren't where they should be Like, what do you plan to do to fix that? And that's also the moment where um, she tells her to bring the unit to her cousin's wedding so they can meet the dean of the war college. And she can prove herself as a leader. Right. And Abigail, even though, you know, she she has love in her heart for her girls, but she's like, yo, they will embarrass us. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you don't know how it is. (laughs) It's like, they're cool and all, but um, no. (laughs) Not going to embarrass me at the family function. Exactly. And it's in Petra and uh, um, Alder very much like, no, it is your job as a bellwether and as the leader to make these other grown women (laughs) fall in line. (laughs) It's just like, wow, that's it's just so much is falling on her shoulders at that point. Yeah, like you've got to whip these other two people into shape and like you didn't even ask for this job. It was just thrown in your lap. Like, it doesn't seem fair at all. No. Like, how do they choose who's in charge anyway? Is it alphabetical? Or do they just choose like who has the higher birth or order or something? That's what it seems like to me because Libba is the leader of her unit too. So it seems like yeah. like if there's a high Atlantic, high Atlantic in the group, then they're the leader. Yeah. And then maybe in turn, I, I can't even imagine how, like if you had three people who were not really high society, but everybody probably is ranked. Like I'm thinking about like Rael is an outsider. So she, would, you know, so, and, and um, what's her name? Tally are outsiders, so it's real easy to kind of just put them under bellwether. But what if you have three outsiders? How do you choose then, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking that's what's happening with, because Tally's friend, Glory, Glory Moffat is the leader of her group, too. 
but she's from oh. Tally's matrifocal compound. Yeah. So I'm guessing. What does that say about her group? Yeah, I'm guessing the other two (laughs) under her are maybe like lower ranked, like Rail or. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they do a little test, you know, like what, you know, like to see what you can do and then rank you that way if they can't do it by birth. Yeah, that's a possibility too. So we get back to the um, training arena and that's where they have like a little ceremony and the boys, uh, we find out that the boys make the scourges and they give them to the girls. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder how long it takes them to make them. Like when do they start working on these? Yeah. Yeah. They're almost like auxiliary. You know how, like in a, um, in a, like a, if a fraternity at a college has like a, an auxiliary organization of like ladies that kind of just take care of them. <laughs> That's kind of mm-hmm. what the male witches seem like. Like they're almost like an auxiliary to the female witches. Yeah, they are very much in a support role. Like they're there to help them build power and make weapons, and they're very much support for the female witches. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy watching it. And of course, our girl gets two because she had two boys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> two scourges. <laughs> and Raelle gets hers, but then she leaves very quickly before they start practicing because she's still having um, visions from Porter's mind, so she goes to try to find Scylla. She's not there. And while she's in Scylla's building, she pretty much follows Porter's path from when he came out of Scylla's room and then went up the stairs all the way until he jumps off the roof. And still, she does not see it. <laughs> I... It, yeah. I'm going to, like, I'm really going to call foul on the writing in this one because it's a little bit too much. They gave a, they gave her too much for her to be easily kind of put aside and, like, accepting. You know what I'm saying? Like, not only, because the thing is, it's not just that she killed a guy who she clearly knew, but the fact that it, she, she didn't like the spree, I feel like even as Riel is like, Rael is very against the military and yada, yada, yada. I don't get the impression that she thinks that what the spree did was cool. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like right. at this point, I just don't understand where Rael is even coming from. Right. Like you have way too much information to not be yeah. putting this together at this point. Absolutely. She's a like, smart girl. Right. Yeah. It gave her too much for her to be this like... And they gave her too much, and they've shown her to be too fierce for this to be playing out how it's playing out. She's not naive. Yeah. Like, if this had been Tally, I could understand it, because Tally would give somebody the benefit of the doubt until the end of the world. But, like, not real. You've made her too cagey, too suspicious for her yeah. to just take this on, like, knowing still for a couple of days, take this on her word that everything is going fine, even though she hasn't said anything. Yeah. Right. Like you had no problem jumping in General Bellwether's face 
based off of like two lines from a letter that your mother wrote that really didn't tell you much of anything. But like you have all this evidence that your girlfriend is free and you're just choosing to ignore it. Yeah. And that's just like, you know, and I guess, I mean, you know, I can kind of like push back against myself a little bit and say like, she doesn't want her girlfriend to be spree. She wants the military to be responsible for her mother's death. She wants to be angry at this system, you know? So, you know, on the one hand, it's like, she's able to like get with this, with the general because she represents a system that she disagrees with. And she, in her mind, got her mom killed. So it's kind of like, it's kind of easy to be fierce there. But then she finds this girl that she really likes and she doesn't want to give that up. But like you said, it's only been a couple of days. You know, she's cute. I'm sure she's had girlfriends in the past. Like, which you, you should not be this shot out over this girl. Right. You're on a campus full of women. Like, she is not the only one. Indeed. There, there's someone else out there for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I maybe could have accepted it if they had left out this particular scene. Because this scene was essentially her getting a full walkthrough Yes. of what happened including yeah. like the number on Scylla's door so exactly like if they had left it at just short flashes of things that didn't make sense I could almost buy that she could ignore it but this was a walkthrough like you see him walking from her door yeah. to the roof eggs thank you exactly yeah. like that's that's what I'm saying like that was a that was a foul on the writer's part they should right. not have been this far yeah yeah, that, that scene could have gotten left out. If they were going to continue on the path they continued on, then it would have been best to just not have that in there. Yeah. But meanwhile, she goes back to the room, and Tally is all excited because they have the big celebration coming up where they do the real dance and they hook up with their partners. Um, I liked the little bonding moment with... Like, both Abigail and uh, Rael agreeing that, like, Tally needs some better clothes for this. <laughs> yeah. They're all so cute. I love them so much. They have great chemistry. They do. Yeah. Rael's like, all right, I'll do this, but if I got to do it, she needs a better dress. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not the way we're going out here. <laughs> So they get to the ceremony. They're all dressed up. They look adorable, all of them. I love Rael's suit. Oh, she looks so great. She does. And then we see um, Tally unfortunately sees Garrett talking to another girl, and that just throws her off. She doesn't know what to do with herself. (laughs) (laughs) He sent her that bird dick pic, so she thought he was her. Yield pick. <laughs> How could you talk to another girl when you sent me this? <laughs> so Abigail has to talk her off the ledge with that and just tell her, like, you know, we're going to do the dance. The dance is going to lead you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And the late, what? I, I forget her name, but the, the, mistress of ceremonies like she basically gets the same pep pep talk from her and from abigail like you're gonna be fine like 
Well, either way, like, even if it's not with him, there's a lot of dudes around here. Right. Like, don't get stuck on just him. Like, that's not what you're supposed to do as a witch anyway. Yeah. But Tally is a romantic. <laughs> yes. Aw. Tally. Right. <laughs> and while Tally is losing it over Garrett, Rael meets Byron. Her platonic soulmate, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they're both just, like, meeting at the bar, like, look, I'm not interested, you're not interested, we might as well hang out together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, also, thanks for saving my friend, or trying to save my friend. Yeah, that was a nice moment. Yeah. yeah. I found Byron to be pretty interesting. I would like to see more of him. Me too. I liked him too. I'd love to see male witchery from his POV. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get that down the line, maybe. Maybe in season two. Yeah. And I realized earlier that I mistook the meeting earlier. I talked about this meeting earlier in our conversation. No, um, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there are a lot of meetings in this one, so <laughs> can't keep the boys straight. As yeah, you know, they all run together for me. <laughs> so of course, Riel catches sight of Scylla finally because she wasn't at her room when she went there. So she tries to confront her, and of course, she lets Scylla shut her down again. Oh my god! Whew. And and that's another and another red flag. Like Scylla isn't even upset that her childhood boyfriend died. She just doesn't even she just doesn't seem upset about it. And she's like being real um, squirrely about it. I mean, everything about this is just like painting everything. Everything else in the story is painting Rael one way. But this one part of the story is painting her to be an idiot. And I do not like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I'm just ready for that whole storyline to be over. Just let her find out and be done with it. Like, it's dragging out too long. Exactly. So Scylla has to run off and do whatever stuff the Necros are up to to try to bring Porter back to talk. And in the meantime, the rest of the team starts the real dance. Which I absolutely love. I me too. <laughs> I was like, I, I think I cheated. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> dancing like really dancing. <laughs> yeah. I liked all the different pairings. There's like women dancing with women, men dancing yeah. with men, men dancing with women. Yeah. It was just like everyone was dancing with each other. Yeah, yeah, that was such a great scene, and the choreography for that must have been a nightmare to learn. It was really pretty. I actually saw I earlier today I looked at a um uh when I rewatched it, I then remembered that they did a behind the scenes of the dance. And so you can see on YouTube the full dance from beginning to end. Because they chopped it a, up a lot for the for the show, but the full dance is a lot of fun. It's really, really good. Oh wow, you have to go find that. Yeah. Yeah, because that is a really cool dance. And the lighting, the lighting for this whole scene is so good. So pretty. 
I just loved the lighting and all the, the colors for the costuming. So as we expected, uh, Abigail ends up with her two boys, Clive and Augustine. And uh, Tally, of course, ends up with Garrett because I don't think she was going to ever let that end any other way. <laughs> like there, there was no way. I feel like she would have just bowled somebody over to get to Garrett if she had to. <laughs> Rayal, of course, ends up with Byron because that's another one that was not going to let anything else happen there. <laughs> and Libba, not to be outdone by a bellwether ever, also walked away with her two guys. <laughs> But I feel like the real story here was was Glory. Glory walked away with three girls. <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't see that. <laughs> yes, Glory. I'm here for it. Yes, Glory. <laughs> Get it. Get it, girl. Glory is living her best Beltane life. <laughs> she really, really is. <laughs> Glory said it's hot girl Beltane. Like... <laughs> glory I love her (laughs) (laughs) she's great I want more of her absolutely I don't feel like we get enough scenes with glory yes so while they're all running off to their partners to do whatever it is they're going to do Scylla is back with the necros so she goes in and tries to stop the resurrection by heating up the room, but she doesn't have time, I guess, because Rael stopped her to try to confront her. She didn't have enough time. So by the time she's able to get it done, Isadora is already coming back. So that kills that plan. So at this point, she is pretty shook about it. Yeah. yeah. It also proves that they don't have enough surveillance on this campus. <laughs> like. There's not a whole lot of surveillance, like, of her just kind of lurking around, (laughs) you know. What are you doing here? I guess they might not think much of it anyway, because she's necro, like, that's their face, but... That's real. Yeah. But, like, why are you whispering? (laughs) That's suspect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are you talking to yourself? No. That's a good point. Yeah, she is like always kind of creeping and whispering to herself. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, and if you and one of the things I, I notice, and I might not might be misnoticing it or putting too much uh, emphasis on it, but like it seems like canonical work is singing, it's choral, it's not whispering. The whispering seems like the stuff that the like the the stuff that they don't do in the army or they don't teach in the army. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the spree work. Yeah. Or or just even even um t- uh not Tally, uh Rael, when she does her work, it's chants as opposed to singing. Mm-hmm. Right. And they always talk about how that's off canon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So back at the Beltane celebration. So uh Rael and Byron are together and you know Tabby and Alec. Tally and Abigail are off having their fun. Tally's with Garrett. Abigail's with her two dudes. Uh, and Ray and Byron are talking. And, you know, she's asking him, like, what do you do if you suspect someone you love has done something terrible? 
So that's kind of our first glimpse that, like, she knows what Scylla did. Yeah. But she just hasn't decided what she's going to do about it. it, Right. And I, I don't know, man. It makes it's it's difficult to kind of get in her head at this point, because okay, to not to go as far as to acknowledge, yeah, she just may have made someone jump off of a building. Again, you know, with the spree do, she may have just done that to somebody, and you're like waffling on how you should handle it, and it just seemed, again, it just seems like a weakness for the character. Yeah, because I feel like, you know kisses or no you know I just I don't know man right like I don't think I could justify like in that situation I don't think I could justify to myself well I know this person did something terrible but I'm gonna just choose to ignore it to continue our relationship like that's the stuff she's done is too much for that exactly it was just too heinous yeah, because it would even be, it would, it would actually be even almost, well, still not forgivable or whatever, but if it was, like, by regular means, by, like, you know, she pulled out a gun and shot him, or she stabbed him, or did something to him, but no, she made him do this to himself, where he died scared and in agony, and you felt the pain that he was as his life was slowly ebbing away, and you're gonna be like, well, should I, you're like, what? What do you mean, should you, you know, turn her in or whatever? Like, it's a no-brainer. So that kind of puts, casts Raelle in a light that I didn't really like too much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that particular action is too insidious for you to be thinking about this. Yeah. You haven't known Sola that long. Nope. This isn't, like, somebody you've been with for, like, a year. Yeah. And it's not weeks at most. Yeah. Right. And you know nothing about her. Nope. Exactly. And it's not like she saved her. Like, let's say she saved her life. Right. And she's like, you, you know, she put everything on the line and saved her life. Then I could maybe even like lean into it a little bit. But there's literally nothing there. There's just not enough there. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, you know, there's, there's not enough relationship history there for this to be going on yeah yeah that is not my favorite moment in this episode you know what was my favorite moment in this episode what <laughs> <laughs> tell us when now the boys were fighting over abigail and then she's like now you two kiss <laughs> yes. Yes. abigail is just living her best life she really is. I and mean, she was just running things. She was like, okay, this is gonna happen, and then this is gonna happen. Now back to me. Like <laughs> she's like, I want to be entertained <laughs> in every way possible. <laughs> oh yeah, that was definitely that moment. Well, every moment in kind of the Beltane festivities. <clears throat> But also when Alder and Witch Father were getting it. It's like those two those two shots were the ones where I was like, this is a good episode. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> yeah, and the biddies were absent completely. They were I there. thought I saw them. I, saw, I think they were standing around her little tuft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, they were standing so around in the, in the circle, but they were like turned away from it. 
but they, yeah, were, they were standing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they were standing around in the circle, but turned away. Oh, poor biddies. <laughs> Wait, so were they singing? I'm trying to remember. Like, were they singing, or they were just standing there? I don't. Something was going on, but I don't know if they were singing or they were like feeling what Alder was feeling. Oh yeah, maybe. So that's kind of a nice little consolation prize, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they got a little enjoyment out of it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, while Abigail is getting tag teamed in the forest, her mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she wanted, so you know. I'm not mad. (laughs) (laughs) She had a little Augustine Clive sandwich going on. (laughs) That's her deal. (laughs) Like but while she's doing that, um, Petra and Anacostia are checking all the mirrors and <sighs> Petra gets to Scylla's room, checks the mirror and just walks away Oh my god! five seconds too early. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, Petra, baby, please. You oh. were so, you were doing so good with being, um, being uh, cautious in Alder's office and now you're going to just drop the ball so thoroughly. <laughs> just so close. Like, if you had just waited <laughs> Five more seconds, you would have seen it. Yep. So I wonder how that works, though. Oh, go ahead. What were you saying, Mo? I was thinking Solo's just lucky. (laughs) Lucky like that. Yeah. So speaking of that, like, I'm wondering what, like, what are the requirements for Beltane? Like, because we see... You know, Alder's participating, but then Anacostia and Petra aren't participating. Neither is Scylla. He's doing necro work. Yeah. Like, how do they decide who gets to participate and who doesn't? Maybe it's just the first years. Like, they're they're the ones that are guaranteed because they're the ones who need the biggest charge up. Yeah. And everybody else can opt in or out depending on their duties. Yeah, that makes sense. That would explain, like, Alder participating, but not anyone else in leadership. hmm Even the Mistress of Ceremonies, I didn't see her in the actual, you know, festivities. Like, I didn't see her actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But back in uh, Necroland, uh, Isadora <laughs> is actually making progress with trying to resurrect Porter. And Scylla is looking a little scared. Right. <laughs> She's not doing much to hide it. <laughs> like, that's the other thing. I'm like, they're all standing there watching her. And, like, like she looks scared. Like, you're not wondering why she looks like that? Because <laughs> nobody else is scared of this process. That's something they had to know you know, was a possibility. They like it's not like they don't know what to expect from that. Yeah. Well maybe it's her first time doing this. Yeah. So they're like maybe she's a little frightened because of that. Bringing that to Zad, that's kind of freaky. 
Yeah, it yeah. seems kind of advanced. And like they said, it's only a small window. So the likelihood that someone as young as her has done it before might be pretty low. Uh, they finally get him talking. And unfortunately, he doesn't say anything that gives away what actually happened. And she's just as surprised as anybody. Because <laughs> yeah. she's just like, yeah, what? <laughs> She's like, well, they about to catch my ass. And then she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> she just Although, gets too many chances. Yeah. There's just a lot of chances. But also, I was a little surprised that they didn't say, they didn't think anything of him saying that he was filled with an unbearable sadness. Because that, like, that word choice just sounds like a spell to me. Yeah. Yeah. I I um I would agree with that. It is yeah. it does sound like an incantation more than anything. Yeah. It doesn't like that's I don't think that's what anyone would naturally say in that situation. They just be like I couldn't go on anymore. Something along those lines like, you know. Yeah. yeah you make a good point there. So, Silly gets off scot-free again. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Will it ever end? (laughs) We're on on episode four. We're, like, out of breath by how how much we want this to be done. (laughs) It's been 84 years. Like, (laughs) (laughs) is it over yet? Well, Silly isn't over, but Beltane is. So... (laughs) Our girls are happy. They're walking away giddy. Tally is unbearable <laughs> with her giddiness. <laughs> Tally's like, look at my neck. Can you see my neck? <laughs> no, just really take a moment. Stare at my neck, please. <laughs> Let's bask in the glow of my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like my hair like this? Oh, what's that? <laughs> Tally is just out of control. He's so cute. <laughs> But everyone's getting along, and Abigail decides that's the best moment to ask them to attend her cousin's wedding with her. Which, of course, Tally, being Tally, immediately wants to invite Garrett. <laughs> like, it's a girl. No. <laughs> no. You can't take a plus one as a plus one. <laughs> Who raised you? <laughs> wrong with you <laughs> so Abigail has to shut her down on that like can't believe you didn't know you can't bring a guest if you're a plus one <laughs> like, and of course Stella again creepily waiting for Rael <laughs> <laughs> knowing where she is at all times and of course Rael tells Tally and Abigail not to say anything about it and Abigail's a like you know, I didn't say shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know why you're looking at me. I didn't say anything. <laughs> and then Scylla, um, they talk again, and she's feeding Rail more lies to try to appease her about how Porter wanted to get back together, and she didn't. Like, the story didn't even make sense. It didn't. And even if it, even if what you said was true. Why on earth did you murder him? Like, that's the what, what part. Like, it would be one thing. Like, it would be a, 
twisted and interesting turn of events if she got some kind of real reason why Scylla murdered him. And then she accepted it and was like, I won't tell a soul. Then then I would I could I wouldn't like it, but I could get into that. But just simply like turning a blind eye like like a simpleton is just I it, I can't it doesn't make sense. Not, it doesn't make any sense. It's not consistent with her character at all. And like she just gave you a story that didn't make any sense and that he was, you know, he wanted to get back together and she didn't and he was sad. And, like, Byron had already told you that Porter wasn't depressed. He wasn't, like, he would, was the last person he would expect to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, even if, even if he was so upset that she didn't want to be with him, that he killed himself, wouldn't she be more upset about that? Thank you. Her whole demeanor was, like, I got away with something like she never at any point showed any remorse or any natural human emotion to what had just transpired. And you were just like eating it up. <laughs> what is wrong? Yeah. I mean, can you enchant people in this universe? Cause it feels like rails enchanted. Mm. That would be a better explanation. Like I would accept yeah. that. <laughs> Exactly. Like maybe she's whispering <laughs> when she's at, right before bed. She does a little whisper thing and sends, uh, you know, an enchantment over Rael's way. But the other thing is, like, if if she were doing something like that, I don't think she'd be as desperate to kind of like clamor into her life and just be there all the time and, you know, weaving her nonsensical lies all the time. Right. Maybe the enchantment requires constant upkeep. (laughs) (laughs) It's a high maintenance enchantment. Yeah. (laughs) Rael buys her lies again, of course. And then it's time for the boys to leave. So everyone's saying goodbye. Except Abigail, because she's gotten what she wanted at this point. And she is now done with them. (laughs) So. (laughs) Why she use those boys? (laughs) <laughs> she's like well oh, powered out now bye <laughs> bye bye I love Abigail <laughs> I do too she's just like see you when I see you um, thanks <laughs> Libba dismissed her boys too yeah they're the same person <laughs> that's why exactly. they hate each other <laughs> <laughs> too much alike <laughs> that's exactly why they hate each other you're the same person you both ditched your boys to go Practice with your scourges. <laughs> Didn't even tell them bye. Just left. They have another fight as usual. And I want to know what is the mannequin budget at this school? Right. <laughs> How <laughs> they much? Up. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> How much do you have allocated to this mannequin budget for them to just be tearing up mannequins like this? <laughs> Or do you magically fix them? Like, is there like just a magical rotation where they get fixed and those same ones come back out? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, that's like when you get in trouble, oh, you're on mannequin duty. You got to fix all the mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> well, better than practicing on each other. That's real. That's true. 
especially with those uh, whips. Yeah, those things look like I would not want to. Like, do you have a practice whip? Like, is there something? Something a little <laughs> graduated. Yeah, they graduated to the real thing off quickly. Right. They couldn't do practice first. <laughs> I mean, that's less like deadly. you could hurt yourself with. Like, you could accidentally hit yourself with the scourge. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe I would accidentally hit myself with the scourge. <laughs> but, like, I'm assuming I'm not the only one. Yeah, I am not an athletic person. So, yes. <laughs> like, that's, that is not something I'm going to use. Well, uh, Abigail and Libba are practicing with their new scourges. Scylla returns to her room thinking that you know, she gets back and she thinks Rael is there, but she quickly finds out it is a spree agent that had Rael's face on. And she tells her not to make another mistake after they had to clean up the Porter situation. So now we know why Porter didn't give it away. Yeah, somebody was... They had to put somebody on on Scylla duty. So Scylla's on um, Rael duty, and they had to put somebody on Scylla duty to it's clean like up her messes. What you were saying earlier, Crystal, about the lack of surveillance. The Spree has better surveillance on Fort Salem than Fort Salem has surveillance right. on their own place. Uh, yeah. They don't know where anybody is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Spree apparently know everything that's going on. Not only do they know they can get involved without anybody knowing that they got involved. Exactly. That's scary. It is scary. Yeah. And and even with um, you know, that reminds me of the first episode where it's talking about they see everything. They don't see nothing, apparently. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I guess that was just the empty threat. <laughs> like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's kind of like when your parents tell you when you're little that if you turn the um the car light on, you're going to get arrested. Like, it's just an empty <laughs> threat that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Anna Costia just told them that to make them act right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, interestingly, that spree agent also tells Scylla that she needs to get herself invited to the Bellwether wedding. Ugh. Which, that's going to be a task for her because Abigail does not like you. <laughs> Nope. Abigail doesn't like her and Abigail has like you know in, in high society has even if she did like her Abigail has high society you know etiquette that she has to uh, speak to and yeah that's going to be rough okay. oh, but Rael doesn't and Rael doesn't care about making Abigail mad so <laughs> yeah <laughs> we will be getting into that one next time <laughs> That's another good app. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be a very good one to go over. So look out for that next week. We'll be getting into that one. But that is it for this episode. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed our recap of episodes three and four of Motherland Fort Salem. Um, If you'd like to support, please subscribe, rate, and review, or share the show on social media. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us on Instagram or Twitter at It's Recap Madness, or you can also send in questions and comments by email at recapmadness at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.